There was an idea. Yes, I, I can definitely, definitely do like real magic. I don't know any better than you do. These are fictional characters. Alright, hey everyone. So today we're going to talk about Black Label and we're going to be talking about our first book club. I do want to address something real quick though, and that's uh, that we do have an extra guest. My, my little son's going to be with us, so if you hear any strange baby-like noises, it's because there is actually a baby here. Along with my son Elliot, we have uh, Matthew. Hey everybody. And Morris is back again on the show. Hi there. So, um, before we get cracking into everything though, I do want to talk about, we are having a quick format change. Um, we're trying to test out a different style. Basically, what I want from you guys is feedback about if you like the old style better, this style better, or if there's a little bit of both that you like, because we're going to kind of make the show. <laughs> we're going to kind of make the show what you guys want it to be. I think your son has voiced his opinion. Yes. So my <laughs> my son will probably be voicing his his opinion during this episode. If he does it, cut in went off. We will um, try to restate anything that he might drown out. But hopefully, hopefully he behaves himself a little bit, so he doesn't have to get grounded too much. <laughs> All right, so we'll just go. Uh, we'll go right into DC Black Label, I think. Unless Andrew, do you have any other things you want to cover before we start? I don't think so. I mean, I think the best way to start is do everything before the book club. So right, no, I agree because uh, once again, when we do get to the book club, which is Green Lantern Earth One, we will be talking complete spoilers of the book. Okay, so I'll just go ahead and start. So we're going to talk about DC Black Label. I'm really, really looking forward to DC Black Label. It's actually a series of books. It's not It's not a book of its own. I was kind of telling Morris about it, and he was like, oh, what's that book about? But it's <laughs> It's actually a new, it's actually, as, as in the name, it's a new label for DC. It's, uh, it's, some people are kind of mocking it, saying it's like supposed to be like edgy or whatever, but I, I kind of disagree. I mean, I think, I think while you could say that, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot more uh, successful than people are giving it credit for. So I'm just going to kind of run through it real quick and uh, then we'll talk about the different books and stuff and you guys just feel free to intervene whenever you want. So this is from this is from the official website. DC launches new publishing imprint DC Black Label with all-star writers like Frank Miller, Scott Snyder, Brian Azzarello, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Greg Rucka, and John Ridley with the goal to craft quote-unquote definitive Yay. DC stories and the tradition of compelling literary works like Batman the Killing Yay. Joke DC The New Frontier and Watchmen. So, uh, just based off that, as you can see, they're they're kind of purposely trying to make these standalone books, and the and all the books that they named The Killing Joke, Watchmen, right. DC New Frontier are all these kind of definitive books that we look at back at as now as some of the greatest of all time. So that's kind of why people say they're trying to be a little edgy or whatever because they're trying to purposely make these these like outstanding books and everything. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of silly when you think about it. I mean, don't you think that every book you make should be kind of outstanding? Um, but, uh, as you'll kind of see, I, I've kind of labeled through all of them, and I think all these books actually sound extremely interesting, and I think there's only one that I think personally is trying really hard to be like the new Watchmen and be like, be like definitive over like telling its own story kind of thing. Um, so let's get right into the first book. So it's the first DC Black Label book coming out is Superman Year One by Frank Miller. So Frank Miller also did Batman Year One. He did The Dark Knight Returns. He's done a, he's done a lot of really really uh, classic, especially Batman, but he's done some other like Daredevil. And, um, I mean, it's not even fair to say he's, he's done a lot of stuff. But the thing with Frank Miller is that recently he's kind of lost his mind. Uh oh. Right. So yeah. <laughs> so so while a lot of his older works are really really amazing. 
some of his uh, newer works are just downright crazy. Like, um, I think it's called Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. I'm not positive what it's called, but Batman refers to himself as the, the GD Batman all the time. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and he makes Robin eat a burger that's made of, like, rat or something. I mean, yeah, it's like he has sex with Black Canary over a pile of burning dead bodies. Yeah, it's like it's like nuts. Like, he's literally lost his mind. But that being said, Superman Year One uh, is going back to the same style of art and um, the same style of story as Batman Year One, which is one of the most definitive Batman stories of all time. So, in all honesty, even though Frank Miller's been a little iffy in the recent years, I'm really, really excited for this book. Um, so here's, here's the description that comes from it, then we can kind of talk about it. A groundbreaking definitive treatment of Superman's classic origin story in honor of his 80th anniversary. From Cal-El's frantic exile from Krypton to Clark Kent's childhood in Kansas. The three-part prestige series would hit shelves in August 2018. Oh, hush. Alright, so, so one thing about this book is it has the same art style. Which is uh, really cool. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure Frank Miller did the art style of, uh, of Batman Year One, but he's actually a different artist is doing this, I believe. Um, but it is very similar in, in the art style. I'm looking up right now at Batman. <laughs> it's drawn by Frank Miller. Because I'm not a... It's not drawn by Frank Miller. Okay, so, so why, don't you, why don't you see if it, it's the same artist doing Superman Year One. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Andrew, since you're the Superman... Uh, fanatic here so they they very they uh very specifically use the word exile from krypton which i thought was really interesting because superman was sent away from krypton as it was being destroyed but would that count as an exile or do you think this is going to be a new spin on his origin story so at least in the current like continuity of dc comics a lot of the superman mythos is that krypton got destroyed because they were not allowed to space travel so it was in the past few years, I know, I'm not sure about like earlier in Superman's uh, run, but it's been considered, it's illegal to space travel on Krypton. So Jor-El was actually wanting to make like giant space arcs to evacuate all of Krypton because he knew it was going to explode. But that was illegal, so he only made a very small ship in his small lab for his son. What a, what a silly mistake for a, for a species of advanced aliens to make. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. But... <laughs> But anyway, so that I think that's why they consider him exiled, especially like the people who survived Krypton as well, like General Zod and stuff. They probably see him as an exile because of the fact that he was he traveled and went to Earth and right and is raised by humans. Well, okay, so um, I definitely want to talk more about like the books that we're interested in reading as we go on. But does anybody have any more like specific questions or something they want to talk about this book before we move on? Like not not so much if you want to read it or not, if it sounds interesting, but more so just general questions or something you thought was interesting. So so this is a, a retelling of like Superman's origins. Yes, yeah, so it's a retelling of his origins, which just like Batman, it's been told like many times before. Mm-hmm. But when Frank Miller wrote Batman Year One, it almost immediately became the new canon. Like everybody loved. Even though it was so similar, it was different enough to where everyone was like, this is like the definitive Batman origin. You know what I mean? Like, even to this oh, day. Right. Okay. So so that's why it's it's pretty exciting. A lot of times what they'll do is with, kind of like, they didn't have DC Black Label before, but they'll introduce these cool stories that everyone loves. And then DC is like, well, it's part of continuity now because everyone loves it. And we right. want to make it part of the character. And that's kind of what they seem to be doing in Black Label. These aren't going to inherently be part of continuity. These are These are set out to be... Well, here's, here's one thing that's great about the, all these. Like I said, these are all set out to be their own contained package. The story's going to have a beginning, middle, and end all within these one book, which 
I prefer to never-ending series because you can mm-hmm. tell the story. Right. It's a lot more cinematic. Like like the example they used of the Killing Joke and Watchmen. Killing Joke's a single issue. Watchmen is 12 issues, but it, they all have the beginning, middle, and end. They're their own separate stories, and they've but gone, gone on and become so definitive. So, I mean, whether or not these become as definitive as those books, just the fact that they have that beginning, middle, end true story arc, that already makes them so much more um, exciting to me than anything else. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the next one. This one is probably the one I'm the most excited for. Uh, and Matthew, I think even you might even break into Batman for this one. Ooh. So it's called Batman The Last Night on Earth. And it's by Scott Snyder, who's really big on, on in the Batman right now. Batman wakes up in a desert. He doesn't know what year it is or how the Joker's head is alive in a jar beside him, beside him. But it's the beginning of a quest unlike anything the Dark Knight has ever un- undertaken before. In the strange future, villains are triumphant and society has liberated itself from the burden of ethnical codes. Fighting to survive while in the search of answers, Bruce Wayne uncovers the truth about his role in the new world and begins the last Batman story ever told. And this sounds so awesome because it sounds like Batman and Mad Max thrown into one. Oh, man. That kind of sounds like the plot of Evil Dead 3 a little bit. Right. I mean, that that seems to be what they're going for, this, like, dystopian, like, you know what I mean, like... But unlike Evil Dead Three, I don't think I think they're saying he's going to be in the future, not in the past. Oh, just like is he going to wake up with a chainsaw in his arm? He might. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I like I said, I, I I'm thinking it's it's supposed to be more Mad Max instead of medieval, but right. but I mean, it just sounds dope. I'm so excited for it. It sounds so good. And Scott Snyder is he's he's the current masterwork of anything Batman or DC. Uh, he correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't he also do a lot of the DC EU stuff? Even though almost that's garbage. No, no, no that's Jeff Johns. Oh, oh, okay, cool. So Scott Snyder, he just is the comics then. Um, oh yeah, you're right. It is Jeff. Johns. That's why Jeff Johns own, is, I think, only on Doomsday Clock right at the moment because, because he's doing so much cinematic work. Yeah. Okay, so here's another one I'm excited for. This is another Batman one. Um, but last, like I said, Last Night on Earth is personally the one I'm most excited for. So this one's called yeah. Batman Damned. Uh-oh. This one sounds really exciting. Um, on a deserted Gotham Bridge, a body is found. Whispers spread the news. The Joker is dead. But is this a dream come true or a nightmare being born? Now Batman and DC's outlaw magician John Constantine must hunt and hunt the truth together in a Gotham City hellscape. Uh, the Dark Knight's descent into horror will test his sanity and limits of rationality as he must face a horror that doesn't wear a mask. So this is interesting because Batman always fights, you know, like the quote-unquote more realistic heroes, you know what I mean? They're all like brutes or they're like super geniuses. But in this, he's teaming up with John Constantine and he's going to be fighting like demons and like doing paranormal like research and stuff. So that sounds really neat. It sounds like Batman's going to be a little bit out of his comfort zone. Yeah, it, it reminds me of, uh, of like what Warner Brothers did, uh, Justice League Dark. Right. So it kind of reminds me of that yes, somewhat. It, it does seem a little Justice League Dark, and that's why it sounds pretty pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John Constantine's a pretty interesting character who unfortunately doesn't have a very good arc going on right now. I mean, I think he has a lot of classic arcs that are very well-received. Well, no, right, he's, absolutely. He's a beloved character. But I think the but current one is, is supposed to be pretty lackluster. I, I wouldn't know. I haven't read it. I'm not I'm not super into the magic stuff of DC. I think I think it's cooler when it's like paired together with stuff, so I might like this because it's paired with Batman. But So that's that's the second of the two Batman stories. Which, which of those two Batman stories do you guys think sounds more interesting? Uh, Last Night on Earth or Damned? Um, I think Last Night on Earth. Yeah, sounds pretty good. I think I would disagree. I, th- I mean, I just don't personally. I just don't think the Last Night on Earth. I just don't. It doesn't catch my attention based on the synopsis they give. But I don't know. Maybe when it comes out, I'll be more interested. But right now, I'm just not. Do you, do you not like uh, Batman movie plot spinoffs? 
Well, I don't... I mean, it's just weird. It's like he wakes up in the middle of the desert with Joker's head alive in a jar, and he's just like... Yeah, that's, just, that's, so, that's so Mad Max. I'm so excited. <laughs> they, are, they already have... DC already has a Mad Max series. Like, like if they if they literally just... If they just make Mad Max Fury Road, but instead of Mad Max, it's Batman, like, I'll be like, okay, great. This is awesome. <laughs> like, this is great. Of course you would, you fanboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty positive. Uh, Batman could turn a woman and John Reed it. He'd be like, oh, yeah, Batman. Nah, I wouldn't go that far. There, I got Batwoman. <laughs> I don't know if they need Batwoman and Batwoman. Well, I'm trying to make I'm trying I'm trying to make the argument that well, I mean, yes, they I, can do whatever they want with the plot. Okay, yes, like I mean, Batman. I love Batman. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Morris, which one? Which one do you think I'm more excited for? Uh, I'm going to be the the weird one and say both. Both of them sound equally. They do. Interesting. They, yeah, I mean, they sound really dope. All right, so here's the next one. This is the one that I was saying before. Sounds like this one as I as I read the. Um, the synopsis of this. Tell me, tell me that I'm wrong on this. This sounds like the one that's trying so hard to be the new Watchmen. This one is trying to like just change everything we know about pop culture. You know what I mean? Like this, this book doesn't even sound like it's necessarily trying to tell its own story as much as just instantly become like a recognizable book. You know what I mean? So this one's called John Ridley's The Other History of the DC Universe, a compelling literary series and analyzing iconic DC moments and charting socio-political gains to the perspectives of DC superheroes who come to traditionally disenfranchised groups, including Jon Stewart, Extrano, Vixen, Supergirl, Katana, and Renee Montoya, among others. At its core, the story focuses on the lives of those behind the costumes and their endeavors to overcome real-world issues. It isn't about saving the world. It's about having the strength to simply be who you are. That is pretentious. Right! Yes, thank you! It, so pretentious. It sounds like, it sounds like the, the, they were literally like, oh my gosh, with all this political stuff going on in the world we should just write a book like and just make the new Watchmen. like that sounds like it sounds like they were literally like they they just they didn't have a title for it they just said the new Watchmen with a big circle and they had to like write out like what they wanted it to be <laughs> yeah interesting i'm i think i'm a little bit more biased to it because i i've read stories with all these characters that i really like so i might be more biased and like yeah it could be a little interesting but i don't know it just it just depends on how they take it i mean honestly out of the whole list this is this is the only one that i definitively know i'm definitely not going to check out i mean unless people are like yeah it is the new Watchmen, then i might read it but honestly i don't think they've released anything on the list that i'm going to be like for sure checking out like issue one when it comes out oh i'm i'm except, I'm, from, except for maybe superman year one i'm i'm checking out everything on the list so far except for that and we, we still got two more to go <laughs> um Yes, we have two more to go. So the next one, this one actually sounds really interesting too. So, and this one is a, is a very different take than anything else we've seen on the list so far. So Kelly Kelly Sue DeConnick is um, pretty famous for some of her original series that she's done, but this is going to be her first work with DC, and this book is going to be called Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons. So even though it's got the Wonder Woman title on it, which admittedly sounds a little bit like baity to like draw you in, it's actually about... Um, the Amazonians before Diana ever becomes part of it. A Homeric epic of the lost history of the Amazons and Queen Hippolyta's rise to power. Featuring monsters and myth, this three-book saga spans the history of the creation of the Amazons to the moment Steve Trevor washes up on the shores of Paradise Island. Hmm. So see, it sounds interesting, and it sounds... It's not necessarily in the world of Wonder Woman, because it's, it's before, and that's why it sounds really interesting. It sounds more like... A Greek epic, you know what I mean? Because it's it's talks about the world of monsters and myths. Yeah, and that's obviously what Wonder Woman's based in anyway. So I mean, it sounds really neat. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. It's just 
when I when I first heard of DC Black Label and they were doing other stories like Watchmen and Batman Year One, I thought they were going to do more like they were going to first focus on more like he, certain heroes. So I'm well, surprised that they're doing like more like different types of books right now. When right. See, okay. So this book sounds really interesting, and I'm definitely going to check it out. But unlike all the other ones I just read, it sounds so different, doesn't it? It sounds, it sounds. Um, it's hard to explain. So, like all all those I all of those that I just read sound like what this DC Black Label is trying to do, mm-hmm. and this sounds like something that you could just do in the normal continuous DC arc. Do you get what I'm saying? Like this doesn't sound like wow, DC Black Label. Whoa, you know what I mean? Like just from the just from the synopsis. I don't know. Compared to all the stuff that you've listed off, with the exception of the pretentious one, right? It this one sounds boring. Like it's safe. Like, you had Batman wake up in the desert with Joker's head in a jar. Right. And then you have the history of the Amazons, which is, like, cool, but... <laughs> right. I'm, But, I mean, it's... Maybe I just need to read the issue to... Uh, maybe I just need to read it to see what... What they're going what, for. Yeah, what's going on in there. Right. In that story arc or whatever. Well, so, there, there's another quote-unquote Wonder Woman one next. Uh, this one's called uh, Wonder Woman, Diana's Daughter. And this is a working title. Um... This one is actually um, about Wonder Woman's daughter in the future. Um, so it says, It's been 20 years since the world stopped looking to the skies for hope, help, and inspiration. Now the world keeps its eyes down, and the, power, the powers that have risen from every intention of keeping things that way. Amongst a scattered, broken resistance, a young woman seeks to reclaim what has been forgotten, and on the way she will learn the truth about herself, her heritage, and her destiny. So this is about Diana's daughter in the future. It doesn't... It sounds it kind of kind of like the last one. It sounds a little bit more like just something that they would do like on a series basis, not necessarily this big, epic book of its own. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, I don't know. It, it's kind of like a what what I've seen with how Marvel's doing it with some introducing some of the new characters, like Miles Morales, or like it's right. It's, a, it's, it's like a new, this is the new Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah, or it's like in an alternate timeline where things have gone precisely yeah yes it just sounds it just sounds so the standard you know uh yeah the standard what they do anyway it doesn't sound like it's supposed to be part of like this big thing that they're doing you know what i mean yeah um so you just stepped away for just a moment but let's 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 that's all of them so far that have been announced which one sounds the most exciting and why well, obviously, I think the Batman ones sound very interesting because they are completely different. One, because one is just like wacky and kooky with Joker's head in a jar. I think that'll be quite entertaining. And then you have Batman going with John Constantine, who is kind of a little underrated uh, in, in uh, compared to all the DC characters. Yeah, and especially in the current climate of of the rebirth he's definitely on the on the underrated side because his his series just isn't quite as good as some of the other ones yeah but i think the batman ones are by far the more interesting ones of black label um oh what exactly does black label mean (laughs) it's It's just a a different imprint yeah it's just a different imprint so in the bottom corner you'll see uh, you'll see a d you'll see dc logo but it'll be black with like Wow. Like they, have, oh. they have a kid's imprint, they have vertical vert, vertigo, and they have like DC's Young Animal. Those are all different imprints. So, you know, we were just talking before you got back. Which which of these that we went over sounds the most exciting to you and why? Well, I think, I mean, 
everyone knows I'm a big Superman fan. Uh, so I knew, probably, I knew you were gonna come probably out. Superman, you're one. Um, let me read. The two Wonder Woman ones yeah. that you missed. I only missed the second one. All right, so, well, just like Andrew, I don't think it's any secret. I, I agree with Morris. I think the two Batman ones sound really interesting, but I'm also super excited for Superman Year One just because of Frank Miller's history of Batman Year One. Um, I personally plan on checking out Superman Year One, Last Night on Earth, Batman Damned, and um, I'm going to check out at least the first issue of Wonder Woman Historia. Um, the other two I don't really have any interest in at all. Um, but but that's pretty good. I mean, four of the six, I, I personally plan on checking out. So, I mean, they, they definitely roped me in pretty good. I think I'll read all these, but I think, for me, since I, I'm not super... I mean, like, honestly, these will all probably end up being book club books. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I probably, I'll probably read them as they release in, like, big volumes. Rather that's that's than, another thing. They're not all coming out at once, which is great. The only mm-hmm. one we would know of a date is Superman Year One's coming out in August. Mm-hmm. So, that's exciting. Hmm. Um... So yeah, that's pretty much uh, that's that's the books that are coming out and what they're about and everything. Um, so let's let's just talk one more topic about this real quick. What this is kind of I guess this is frankly more of a question for Andrew since Morris is so new into this into this version of comics uh, and Matthew is is totally uh, green to it. But um, what are you hoping to see from this? Like, is there a certain hero or story you'd want told? You know, are you wanting to see the next Watchmen, or are you just wanting to be entertained? What are you What are you hoping from this? Well, I think because we have a lot of Batman on this list, and we've always had a lot of Batman. As far as like, we have Batman: The Killing Joke, Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, which are all supposed to be real good books, and they're also like out of continuity. But I think this is a chance to like introduce other heroes with books out of continuity. Like maybe it'd be cool to have a Flash one, but like he might be the only hero on Earth. And the same thing with like. All of the different heroes, even like obscure ones. I think it'd be really cool to see those types of books. Right, and you know what? I, I that was actually the first thing my mind went to. I would love to see like a Green Lantern book, where Green Lantern is the only hero on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Green Lantern is the sole protector of Earth. You know, because I mean, as much fun as the current stuff is, it's sometimes it's really lame to think about. You know, here's Batman, who's like easily the coolest hero, but at the same time, Superman, he, he's okay. useless in a world of Superman. You know yeah. what I mean? And it sucks that he has to live in this world with Superman. Why can't he just be the only hero? Just so be so much cooler. And, and that's what these books sometimes allow you to do is escape into those kind of worlds. Mm. Um, so that's something I'd like to see for just like Andrew said. That's that's the main thing I want. I would love to see a book with just the Green Lantern in the world. Just Aquaman is the only hero in the world. You know, give me something cool like that. You know. Also, they can give you like alternative versions of heroes. So like back, I think in like the nineties, they had like one issue where. They had Batman, but he was a pirate, and then Ty Justice League was his crew. <laughs> right. And I was like, that'd be an awesome book for this. Right. And like, just like, di- right. like different universes like that. I think that could also very, like, that would thrive in this in this imprint. There's also an anime girl universe. There's, there's an anime and girl all, universe. And all of them are anime girls. Yeah, that, that's not a joke. <laughs> it's called the Ami Kami universe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They, I might have all, to they, look at that. Yeah, they, like, <laughs> they, they all have, like, real big eyes and. Then even if they're normally like a man, they are they are a little girl. There's Batgirl. There's Cyborg. Well, I mean Cyborg's a girl, but I know Cyborg's not a girl. I don't know why I thought she. Morse Cyborg's a man. Sweating over here, yeah, man. Yeah, Morse Morse's nose just start bleeding for some reason. He's pulling up that. I'm sure that's in the comic. I'm sure that's in the comic, like the nose bleed stuff. Okay, so. Um, so I just want to pause real quick because I did forget something in, in the opening, and I can't believe I forgot this. So some, so some of your, our YouTube subscribers probably know we have YouTube exclusive content, and we have more coming. 
Um, I don't want to spoil any of it, but this week you're going to see a lot of our uh, you're going to see a lot of our YouTube content coming up. I just wanted to do that. Uh, Morris is just excited. Uh, Morris was holding up his hands like he was like a book. I was like, what book? What are you, what are you <laughs> no. right, so, so anyway, we, we have some YouTube exclusive content coming. And uh, we have one show where we do a list format just because all y'all love that. Hashtag love the list format. But um, we're going to have two other show formats that you're going to see this week. And I'm not going to spoil them. So you better, you better get ready. But they're going to be fun. Um, so if you're not already following us on YouTube, you should follow us just for that free uh, YouTube content there. So this week on the book club, our first book club, it's uh, Green Lantern Earth One Volume One. And just a little background of all the Earth One books, Earth One is a universe where all the heroes are more realistic. And so far they've released Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, and Teen Titans Year One. And I haven't read the Teen Titans, but I read all the others and they're all pretty good. But so that was just kind of an overview about what the Earth One stories are about. So this is kind of a more realistic take on the Green Lantern mythos. Um, and we'll just jump right into it. So the story starts, the first thing we notice the difference is how Jordan is not a pilot in this in this universe, he's a astronaut. And he's in space, and what you find out in the first few pages is that space exploration is no longer government funded, it is now privately owned by companies because they mine certain resources from asteroids in order to build new technologies that they have in this universe. So all the space is private, privately owned and in the first few pages we find out that there's another company, a rival company of Hal Jordan's own company and it has found a giant rock deposit of the minerals that they need for the new technologies and therefore the captain of his crew is like, okay, we're probably going to have to leave because we're, contracts are probably going to get canceled because this other crew found a giant, uh, a giant rock deposit. Um, so then it cuts to Hal and his uh, crewmate Volkov is his name, and they're both they're both mining out in the kind of I guess the outskirts of the asteroid or planet they were on. Uh, and then Volkov's like, "Come on, Hal, we need to leave," but he refuses, and he's like, "We don't. Our contract's not up yet. They just think it's going to end. So I'm going to keep working until until it's over." So then from here, he keeps working and he eventually finds a spaceship. He, he was mining rock and he hits like hard metal and he realizes it's a spacecraft. So him and Volkov go exploring in the spaceship. And what they find is they find a Green Lantern power battery. They find a dead Abenturser, which is, they don't know who he is because he's already dead in this universe. And that's one other big difference from this universe is that the rings don't seek their own host they you have to put it on yourself so they don't know anything about it. they just find a dead alien a green lantern power battery and they find a manhunter which is like a green lantern villain a giant robot and it's just deactivated so they're around exploring the ship and then they get a call from their captain saying the crew has to return to earth because their contract is canceled right their contract was canceled because another team had found this mineral they were looking for but then how Jordan's obviously like, well, hey, we found something way cooler. We found like an alien, dude. So, so yeah. So uh, they they reported in, and they're still called back to Earth because they're going to send their own team to take care of it. And obviously, how Jordan's like super pissed. But his friend Volkov steals the power lantern, uh, the power lantern, <laughs> the, the power battery in the in the in the ring and lantern ring. 
But he accidentally tears up Hal's ship and Hal gets sucked into space using the ring to save himself and basically discovering the power that the ring has. Um, so the book kind of goes on like that for a little bit. Um, he ends up getting stranded and finding uh, who's always classically been like his mentor. Kilowog, uh, yeah. Kilowog. So, well, before that, the reason why he gets picked up by Kilowog is because the Manhunter that was on the ship... Because the the he uses the Green Lantern ring, it activates. Cause right, it's so he, to find he, Green Lanterns. he has to fight and defeat the Manhunter, which is a pretty neat sequence. It's a, he has to quickly learn the, that the ring's powered by will. I mean, they never. I don't think even at the end of the book they realize it's no. controlled by their will. No. Um, I do. I do want to stop real quick, and we can we can kind of talk about notes about this. This is probably the first quarter, roughly, of the book. Um, so I, I really liked how this book opened. I, I loved. Absolutely loved the art style of this entire book. Um, I think the art was really, really fitting for what they were going for. It looked nice. It was kind of dark and gritty. Yeah. Um, it looked real good. And I thought, even though I know more about Green Lantern, it, it does a good job of introducing Green Lantern mythos without having to explain it all. Right, because it's so different. It's it's totally different than anything we've seen before. It's it's similar enough um, to where if you're a fan of the Green Lantern, it'll be fun. But at the same time, it's different. Um, and I love the lantern suit. So basically in this, instead of the you getting a suit, basically, you just get a glowing insignia on whatever you're wearing, even if it's your bare chest. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So it's literally a combination of his astronaut space suit and then just the lantern's glow. And it looks so cool. Yeah, especially just black and white. It, right, it's one of the coolest lantern suits in a while. Yeah. And I think that kind of comes... so. Eventually, we were, if we return the story, he meets Kilowog, and then Kilowog's talking. Well, I got one more thing before we get to Kilowog. So, okay. while he's fighting the Manhunter in space, there's that scene where the ring just slips off his finger. Mm -hmm. And maybe I don't know enough about the Green Lantern's mythos. Like, I don't know if it can, like, reject people like the One Ring or something, but I thought that was so dumb. Like, why would the ring slip off his finger in space? Unless it has, like, a consciousness. I think he was actually holding on to it. Oh, he, did, he didn't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happens is Volkov, he had he has the ring, he puts it on. And that's what makes the spaceship explode. Right. And he gets sucked out, and Hal tries to save him by holding on, but the ring slips off, and he holds onto the ring, and Volkov oh, dies. Oh, okay. Space. See, I thought he had the ring on his finger. I yeah. thought it was like I thought I thought Sauron had called it home or something. No, no, no. <laughs> on his finger, and he was like dying in space. But, so I was like, that's so. Dumb. But at least in the main universe, I think rings do kind of have like kind of a consciousness. Like they're kind of like computers, but they have like a program. So like if you're not worthy, like if, if it finds someone that needs to go to, it will go to them. So right. I mean, I'm not sure that's what they were going for, but yeah, like, probably not. But I think they they do kind of have their own kind of. Yeah, when it first came, when it first came off, I thought I thought it was gonna like jump to Volkov and save him and Hal or something like because of the worthiness thing or something, but it was just weird. I don't know. I, I just thought that whole scene was kind of weird. But since he was holding it, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah. So then, so then, like I said, he fights the Manhunter, destroys the Manhunter, but in the process, he passes out and he wakes up with Kilowog, with his, which is typically his mentor in the Green Lantern Corps in the main universe. But in this universe. No one really knows about the Green Lanterns. Like Kilowog even tells them in this universe, Kilowog's a doctor and trying to help Green Lantern. He, I mean, he helps Hal with his wounds. And he asks Hal, he's like, "Do you know anything about the Green Lanterns?" Because I know nothing. Right. It's it's gonna be really hard to not call them the Green Lanterns since all of them are Green Lanterns. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Kilowog. Uh, he got his he got his ring passed down from his father, which I thought was really neat. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's and the Green Lanterns are basically like you know for lack of a better word extinct, which I thought was really really interesting. Um, I definitely liked how they did that. It's interesting because it's a flip. I mean, we, we find this out later, but since it's all spoilers, it's certain to be a problem. But we find this out later that the 
Guardians, who are basically the <laughs> captains of the Green Lanterns, they create the Manhunters to get rid of the Green Lanterns. Right. But in the typical mythos, in the typical universe, it's actually flipped. They create the Green Lanterns to destroy the Manhunters. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it was... It's definitely a really fun book for that, for that sense. Um, yeah, Elliot liked it too, apparently. <laughs> um, so... Um, so then after that, um, Kilowog's planet gets attacked by Manhunters. Yes. And... Um, all of Kilowog's friends is like, yo, Kilowog, this is your fault, bro. And then <laughs> Kilowog's about to get killed, and Hal takes him off the planet to save him, and they, they try to, like, repower and everything, and Kilowog's like, you've doomed me in my society, now I'm a coward, and you've, you've ruined me, basically. Um, and then Hal's like, well, look, there's nothing you can do. If we can find other people with these rings and maybe figure out how they work, we can, um, we can save your planet, and we can, we can get rid of these manhunters. Um, and this is where I think the book really slowed down in not a good way. Mm. Be- well, okay, it, it didn't slow down in the traditional sense, but let me explain. So then we're kind of jumping, jumping is the best way to describe it through all these scenes. They're, they're jumping all these planets, looking for information about the ring. They find this old lantern who's got some, who's got some little bit of backstory. Then they jump to this prison planet, and they jump here, and they jump there. And, and not that they're physically jumping, the story is just jumping in time. And I put down that I think that's one of the biggest negatives of this book because of many of those sequences that it jumps through would be interesting entire volumes of stories on their own. Like, I would love to read a volume of just Hal and Kilowog going across the galaxy meeting all these strange aliens trying to find out more about the Green Lanterns. I thought that was extremely interesting. Well, I think the point was not necessary to make... I, I think the point of adding those aliens is those for... They were key members of the core from the main universe, and they were trying to like kind of give you Easter eggs, like, like fan service, yeah. right? Like but when you see Sinestro in the book, right? Which I which I understand, and I, I and I one thing I did say about that is I love that Sinestro is so low key. You never find out his name, never yeah. anything, but you know it's Sinestro, so that's really neat. But but that being said, I just think that it was such an interesting part of the story, and they just jumped through it. I would have. I mean, like I just said, I, I would love if Volume 1 was just them trying to find more Green Lanterns. That would have been a lot more interesting than, frankly, what I think what we got, because they just jumped too much. I would disagree with you on that. Mostly because I, it, as someone who has not really touched uh, Green Lantern or has read any of the Green Lanterns or DC Comics, I think it's kind of refreshing to see like a different take on what we already know uh, based on like other sources of media. But the I, I think it's a little bit more interesting, and I think it's setting up for something else. Like you're still having to deal with the Manhunters. Uh, I think it's like they didn't really destroy all the Manhunters. Like it was just later on uh, that they destroyed the ones on the planet. Right. Yeah. I think, but, I think there are still some Manhunters at the, by the end of this book. But I think that's setting it up right. for for I think more. So, yeah. I think it's setting up for more action and setting up for more story uh, and eventually another villain and I think it's just going to keep setting it all up and it's it, I think it's like a, a triumphant return of the lanterns uh, from from their kind of destruction almost right no and, and I agree with you um, so yeah I thought yeah, John said he thought the story got boring kind of I'm so down I, no, well I don't think it got boring I think I think we. Could, it's okay, buddy. I think I think. See, Elliot agrees with me. I think I think that they could have slowed it down, and we could have 
got more of that story instead of jumping through it so much. It just felt like it felt like those movies where it's like the rabbit's eyes in Prague, and then they go to Prague, and it's like, no, actually, it's in Moscow. And then they go to, and then they're like flying to Moscow, and the plane crashes, and they end up in Germany. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was kind of like that scene from X Men. Uh, First class when they're going around to all the mutants and they're trying to get them. That's to join exactly out. what it was and like. like right. Screw you. Yeah, but but unlike that, just being a funny montage, this was like these super interesting stories that I felt like they glossed over. Yeah. But um, so basically they go through that and like John said, there's very interesting. They meet um, they meet this man who gives them kind of like advice about what more about the Green Lantern mythos, and then they go off on their own and they end up eventually being captured and they're taken to uh, house captured and he's taken to a planet to mine he's a, like a slave miner yeah prison planet and it turns out to be oh hashtag spot yeah <laughs> so then what we find out is that the manhunters are capturing people and making them mine just i guess rocks or resources yeah it never really rocks. explains what they're mining but yeah but they're they're using them as slave labor but but one thing that's interesting and earlier in the book you, you're you're led to believe that the the central battery was destroyed but it turns mm-hmm. out that it's not and hal finds it and gets all his powers back and all that fun stuff See, Elliot really just doesn't like this book. <laughs> well, you have that cool scene where, like, there's an alien lady he befriended the mine. Yes. And well, she, and she takes his yeah, ring and she, gets, his she ring. gets obliterated by the manhunters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, see, that's one thing that's very interesting is, um, and, and Andrew kind of, glo- kind of talked about this, um, in this universe you're not selected to be mm-hmm. the Green Lantern. Anyone can wear the ring, which is interesting, and that's definitely going to come in later books. You know what I mean? People yeah. can steal his ring and get his power. And he does. I thought that was interesting that the one Lantern who gives them advice, he actually comes later when all the Green Lanterns come, and he dies. Right. And then Howard gives his ring to, like, he's like, hey, is there... He just ran to yeah, a he's random like person. person. Right, so it's here, like... Here you go. It's interesting that it's not like, oh, it's not like you're chosen. It's not like you have a lot of willpower. It's like anyone, anyone can be yeah. a Yeah, it's just like a weapon. Like, yeah. he, like he says, like, he talks about it being a tool, and you just need to learn how to use it. Yeah, when, when that chick got disintegrated, that was one of the coolest parts of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he picks up, like, her finger with the ring on it. No, you know, you know who my favorite character in the whole book is? That leader lantern girl that they meet right before the prison plan? I think her name's yeah. Yeah, she was yeah. she was dope. I could have read a whole book about her. <laughs> yeah, she was the leader of the entire Lantern Corps. Yeah, she was she was really cool. I'm yeah. sure we're gonna learn more about her later on. Yeah. Um, at the end, she was selected to be the leader, correct? Yes. Yeah. So that was one other thing that I thought was weird. I thought I thought that at least somebody like like I thought maybe Sinestra might be like. Well, why should she leave? But everybody was like unanimously like, yeah, she could leave, yeah. which is like one of those happy ending things. But you know what I mean, like yeah. Or, or I thought it was weird that nobody suggested Hal because I mean, I mean he, honestly, he was the one who did everything. Yeah. But, yeah. Which I mean, I think she should be the leader because I think she's a very interesting character and I think she'll develop into more. Yeah. I just thought it was weird that everybody was just like, yeah, sure, out of us hundreds of aliens, she could do it. I don't care. I do yeah. like how you get kind of like a hint of Sinestro's personality when like so like. They have this plan to like get off, to kill the Manhunters and get off the uh, planet of Oa, but it but it involves blowing up the planet and everyone on it. But then yeah. right. Hal's like, all the miners are dying. Snatcher's like, that's the only plan. And, and basically, and almost everyone agrees with Hal that that's not the optimal plan. But Sinestro's like, I mean, if we have to do it, he's like the the need of the few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says <laughs> he's like a small price to pay for the yeah, for the many lives. Turns into Captain Spock. <laughs> um, so. Um, so then the book ends with um, one of the remaining uh, Elder God people. What, the Guardians. What, yeah, the Guardians. The Guardians of, of the Lanterns. Of the Lanterns, yes. They're typically um, like the bosses. Yeah, he turns out that, that he's created the, the uh, Yellow Lantern Corps, 
which yeah. I thought was a cool reveal at the end. Because for some reason, I mean, that seems so obvious of an ending, but for some reason I wasn't expecting it. Well, it's because the Guardians typically aren't bad guys. They're typically kind of like neutral and lawful, like kind of like Dungeons & Dragons terms, you know, where like they just kind of do whatever they think is right. So they're not technically evil, uh, but in this, they're obviously they seem like they're bad guys of this entire like. Right. Universe. No, I agree with you. So I thought it was real interesting, and it is interesting because normally Sinestro starts the core. It's actually normally called the Sinestro core. So I thought it was a really interesting twist to have at the very end, and it was set, definitely setting up the next volume. Yeah. No. Um, so I mean, I was I was kind of hating on it earlier, but in my final review for this, I said that this book has so much potential. And I'm honestly interested in future installments. So I, I like this book. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. But one thing this book very successfully did is I honestly think I'm going to check out the future installments. Because I I think, I honestly feel like Volume 2, if done right, will be a lot better than Volume 1. Because I feel like they've already established so much story now that we can just focus on a lot of the cool stuff they've built up. Yeah. Just for me. Because I, I wasn't in love with the book. Yeah. I think that's one thing. I've read a lot of the Earth One comics, and I think that's one thing they really kind of suffer from, is that they kind of come out either yearly or, like, bi-yearly. Oh, so they don't come out very often. Like, so, like, the Superman one, I think, came out in 2003, and the second one came out in, like, 2014, and, I mean, not 2003, 2013. <laughs> I was going to say, that's 11 years. 2013, but... 2014, 2015, so it's, like, a year between each one, so you kind of, like, like, that's my biggest complaint with the book, is that you're left, and you're like, I want to read more, but... You have to wait. Yeah, it's like it's not going to announce if it's going to be It's like waiting for to. Sherlock season four, and then you realize it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if it doesn't sell well enough, that's honestly what's going to happen. Then it's not going to continue it if it doesn't yeah. sell. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I really liked it. Like, I I think I I found it similar to almost like Star Wars, where there was like an empire almost, but instead of the empire, it was like the Manhunters enslaving almost everybody, and, and there was like one key fact that. I thought was interesting was that the the Guardian mentioned that the Manhunters can't create more Manhunters. Like, all the ones that they have are it. Right. So, actually, now you say that, me and Andrew definitely drew a blank. That's what they were doing the slave labor for. I forgot. They're they're there to to maintain the Manhunters. I totally forgot that. They covered that in the book, actually. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it it makes me wonder if if the other Guardians, if if there's one Guardian dead or, like, one Guardian alive... What what's their what's the reason for there not to be more? Right. So maybe there's like one the one that's like the leader of the yellow rings. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the other one is like the actual leader of the Green Lantern is like, yo, don't listen to this fool. Right. Well, I I agree with you, and I actually I, Oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Um if there's one thing that I love that you said was comparing it to Star Wars because I didn't really think about that, but it does. It's got that really good sci- old sci-fi feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like a like a it feels like a Star Wars like nineteen seventy seven sci-fi. <laughs> it really does. It really does. I mean, don't don't. I personally don't think it's anything on the level. Of the original no, Star Wars. no. I mean, but it, this might be the last Jedi of Star Wars. Mm. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, if, if it's controversy, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. If you want to talk about how the last series no. sucks, <laughs> like, subscribe and oh, we share. Next. We, we just lost Next. a lot of subscribers. <laughs> All right, so... Um, well, okay, so one thing. I do like how the Yellow Lanterns were revealed at the end. I thought it was a cool reveal. And I know the Yellow Lanterns are like, you know, they're big baddies. But, man, I would love... In this style of art and in this style of story, I would love to see... Uh, who's the big red guy with the little cat? That's Atrocitus. Yes, I'd love to see Atrocitus in this. Big, be, big red guy with a little cat. Yeah. 
He'd be a dope villain in this. He would. He would be a cool villain. I think the Yellow Lantern's like the like the easy villain. Like, oh, they're typically the villains. Right. They're just like they're just like the off the counter. Opposite. But it's interesting because in the current Green Lantern run, I think the Green Lanterns and the Yellow Lanterns are kind of like friends. Weird. They, they kind of like work together. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think the Yellow Lanterns. They're not inherently evil, right? It's just when Sinestro it's just, takes they just have, no. It's just kind of like they have Sinestro is definitely evil. But yeah. Right. They right. have like their own type of like right, way but, of working. Right. Things. But but they use their ring. They use the power of fear. Yeah. But that doesn't inherently make them evil. They yeah. just use fear. It's kind of like, basically, like, Sinestro uses the fear, but he uses it to become a dictator on his planet. But like, because even the Red Lanterns aren't even inherently evil, right? Like, they just use rage, so they kind of do Well, the, I think they're a little bit more evil, because when you put on a Red Lantern ring in the main universe, you go into a, like, a rage, uh, like, rage dream, and you kill everyone in your sight. Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty evil. Then. Yeah. But, uh, they're but like, they're, the only... The only f- like straight up like evil is like the black right the black lantern or yeah i mean that's or the maybe black, the large fleas because you can only have you can only be Lars one isn't, like he, Cause, cause he's, he's, he's evil because he's greedy right. but like greed isn't inherently evil if it's like control like a lot of times it's just like greedy in the sense like just leave me alone just let me have my orange lantern right but then if he's around other people he's like I-, I can take your lantern too if you want me to right interesting um, so let's let's talk final score. So I mean, I think we got a good feel. It sounds like Morris loved it, Andy really liked it, and I was like, meh. But I gave it a three out of five. So I think I'm right on the meh. I liked it, didn't love it, but it definitely got me interested in anything in the future. I, I'm gonna give it a four out of five. I, I I will admit that it did slow down a little bit, but I think that was more in the mind section where he like lost his ring and it was like depowered. Right. And then it just suddenly powered up and was like, oh, what? Right, so right. It was kind of weird, but you know, but then it picked up after that, and it was like, cool. Right. Yeah, I gave it a four out of five just because the only reason you get a five out of five is because there wasn't another volume to read. Like, <laughs> I was, I was, you just want more. Yeah, I was. That's the main thing. I was, I was trying not to spoil it to John when I first read it, but I was like, the main thing I had problem with is that you just read it and it just kind of ends, which, but like, there's no, it doesn't carry on for as far as we know. Right. So it's just kind of like. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, if it's not very popular, it won't it won't continue. Yeah. So go buy it so I can read part two. <laughs> but they are releasing, I think, Flash and Aquaman Year One as well. Lame. Uh, and I think they're doing Batman Year Three. I mean, not Year Three. Earth One Earth Volume, one, volume three, three. I think they're doing Wonder Woman Volume Two. But I don't know. That's all. I think that's all speculation. Yeah, they're just all taking their, their sweet time. So I think to end, even though we get our scores, would you recommend this? Would this be worth buying the read, John? Like, I would recommend it to someone. Who was either? You know what? I take that back. I would recommend this to both someone who is a fan of the Green Lantern, wants something different, and someone who's never read the Green Lantern. I would probably be more inclined to recommend it to someone who never read the Green Lantern, especially based on Morris's reaction to it, um, because I think since it's, it's so well established as its own story that if you know nothing going into it, I think you might enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, I, I went in not knowing, like I just what I knew. I just was like, nope. I'm going to ignore all the things that I know about the Green Lantern. And I I enjoyed it for what it was. Right. And I think that's it's a it's a good book to a good Green Lantern storyline to follow if you're not familiar with the Green Lantern story and you want to delve into it more. So, I think this one will I'll definitely look at more issues. Right. All right, well, there's only one real thing to go over. Uh, we, we surprisingly made it to our uh, our goal time there. Um, wow. I thought we were going to have to pat it, up, pat it out a little bit there, Owen Wilson. <laughs> um, 
So our next book that we've decided to read, and Andrew can correct me if I get it wrong because there's two different versions, but I believe we're just going to read the Action Comics number 1000, just just the issue, not the 80-year celebration. Yeah. Of the 80-year celebration is a, I think, volume where it's like... It's like it has the first appearance of Superman as the first appearance of Supergirl. Right, it's, it's got some, like, it's got some older stuff in it, and we we really want to try to keep the 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 book club to just brain spanking new stuff. So yeah, next time we're gonna read is actually comics number one thousand. So in episode four, we'll be talking about that. But it's only ninety pages, and it's only eight dollars, so it's actually cheaper than the Green Lantern one, and it might go by a little faster. So we also might. We might we'll probably have a game that episode as well. Yeah, we'll we'll have something to to entertain you guys a little bit more. Um. Okay, so all I have to say is you guys need to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Um, we're also considering maybe doing a giveaway. Um, so let us know if, you, if you'd be interested in a giveaway in any, any way, shape, or form. I mean, yeah, let us know if you'd be interested in free stuff, I guess. Um, I think, I guess if we wanted to give away, we can always try to give away the next book club book. Right. We were thinking about giving away Action Comics, but now that it's already out, it's kind of whatever. It's, so, not, it's not out yet. Well, well, it's coming out soon. It's coming out soon. Well, we'll, we'll see. We're, we're going to give away something soon, I feel like, but it, it will definitely be some comic book. It's not going to be, you know, a flat screen, so, you know. It's not going to be a, one of those Funko Pop bobbleheads. All right. Well, so Elliot and Morris are crying, so we're going to have to go. So, uh, until next time.